wanted to say thank you very much for your giving. Uh, we received this note in the mail last week and just wanted to share with you because, because of your faithfulness, we're able to touch other people's lives and, and even touch uh, other animals' lives. But it said, thank you so very much for the amazing donation of the dog food and treats for our rescue group and its furry participants. Your generosity is so appreciated. Sincerely, gratefully, friends of Macon County, Missouri Animals Association, the secretary. So give yourselves a great big hand clap. And, and again, you really, you make an impact. And that's what makes it special. And then also, I, was, I was, went back to a story I had, 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 hadn't looked at for a little while. And, and it was about Elijah. And Elijah uh, had told the widow, said, hey, whatever you have in your house, because they were in famine, they were starving. He goes, whatever you have in your house, uh, go get it and put it together, and then we'll see God do a miracle. And so a lot of you know, we've, we shared about two months ago that uh, Pastor Allie will, will be becoming a full-time mom, and so we started our worship pastor search, and one of the things was that before 21 days of prayer, we just sort of said, hey, this is what it was, and, and we approached Pastor Calvin and said, hey, we're, we're not saying you have to do this, but if you are interested or you would like to be considered, please pray about it. And so he prayed about it. He'll be sharing some things, about three things that the Holy Spirit dropped in his heart, different things over, over the next couple of weeks. But, um, but he came back to us. We talked to him on the 22nd of August, and then we wanted to honor the team and different people, so we let them know. But on 1 October... Uh, pastor Calvin will be assuming responsibility for both the, the worship pastor and the student pastor ministry. So give him, a, him and Tally a great big hand clap. And so that was in the house. And so it's one of those things uh, that we almost overlooked what was in the house. And so realize that God has got things inside you and, and don't want to overlook that. And so we'll keep you updated. Then on 1 October, we'll have a, a special time where we'll pray of that transference of the anointing uh, from Pastor Alley to, to Pastor Calvin. But the, I want to start with that there was a lady who went to her pastor in the church, and she said, Pastor, she said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the church. And, and the pastor said, well, why? Why are you going to leave the church? And she said, well, you know, there's a bunch of hypocrites in there. Uh, when I go to church, they're on their phones. They're not friendly. There's a bunch of people in there that I know they're not living right because I see it on social media, et cetera, et cetera. And so the pastor says, okay, that, that's fine. And he said, but before you leave, I want you to do one thing. He said, I want you to take this full cup of water, and during service, when everybody is up meeting and greeting, I want you to walk around the entire sanctuary two times without spilling a drop of water. And so she said, okay, I can do that. And so it came to that time like we just experienced on offering and people were greeting and meeting and she got up and, and she walked around the, the, the church two times and she came back to the pastor. She said, well, here, sir, I, I didn't spill any of it. And, and he says, well, he said, let me ask you three questions. And she goes, did you see anybody on their phone? Did you see anybody out there gossiping or did you see any little cliquish groups? Did you see anybody living wrong? And she looked back a little bit startled and she said, no, I didn't see any of that because I was focused on not spilling this full cup of water that you gave me. And I love the wisdom that he says to her. He says, when you come to church, it's sort of like Tally said, you just need to be focused on God so that you don't fall. 
And then, then the pastor said, that's why Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say follow Christians. So don't let your relationship with God be determined by how others relate with God, but let it be determined how focused you are on God. Come on, say amen. And so I want to, in the next two weeks, I want to introduce this new series of how do I improve me? How do I improve me? Because, because the Bible says that, that people will know us by our fruit, that we're followers of Christ. So I don't need to worry about anybody else, but I need to look at how do I improve Vic Comstock. And I don't know about you, but have any of you all ever felt like you're, heading, you're hitting your head against a brick wall and you find yourself saying, man, I don't know why I can't get through this. I don't know why I can't experience breakthrough in my life. How many of y'all have ever said that? Amen. And you know what? Maybe it's because you're dull. Maybe it's because you're dull. The definition of dull, lacking interest or excitement, lacking brightness or vividness or sheen. Ecclesiastics 10.10 says, using a dull axe requires great strength. So sharpen the blade. The value of wisdom, it helps you succeed. Everybody say success. So if you will sharpen your axe, then less strength is needed to get through what you need to get through in your life. If you will sharpen your spiritual axe, then you'll have more success. Somebody asked Abraham Lincoln one time, they said, if you were going to chop down a tree, President Lincoln, what would you do? And he only had six hours to do it. And they were talking about a big tree and, and, and showed the size of the tree and Abraham Lincoln thought for a moment and he said, I would spend the first four hours sharpening my axe. Why? Because the sharper the axe, the less energy that's going to need to expend it. The sharper the axe, the more benefits that you're going to experience in your life. Because the reality is all of us go through stuff, amen? Amen. But it's what we focus on and how we prepare to get through the stuffs in our lives. You know, in two weeks, we'll have our, our family day. We'll have the Ryan Stevenson concert, which is a private concert uh, for the church. It's really going to be a night of worship. But I, but I want you to watch this video because I believe it really sets the tone for what we're going to talk about the next three weeks. Hey, this is Ryan Stevenson, and this is the story behind my song, Through It All. When I was writing this one, I was really convicted about the things that make us all people. What is that one thing that unifies every one of us? And to me, it was our secret life, our private life, and the things that we go through on a personal level that no one might ever know about. And those things that we go through privately, those struggles, those fears, those doubts, those worries can paralyze us. They can be plaguing, they can keep us bound in such stress and anxiety especially when those things are things that we brought on ourselves or we mistakes that we've made and the guilt and the shame that comes along with our sin and our, and our mess ups my heart is just to encourage people and i'm talking to myself too that whatever it is that we're going through that we are not too far gone romans 8 says he causes all things to work together for good that he makes beauty from our ashes and I hope that my life would be living proof to others that 
whatever the mistakes we've made, even in spite of the shame and the guilt, that He, Jesus, is going to love us unconditionally through every detail of our lives. Let's pray. Father God, right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, let everybody see the giant killer that's inside each and every one of them, Father. Father, it begins with us, Father. Before we can reproduce giant killers, we have to become a giant killer in our life. Before we can reproduce anything, we got to understand our identity in Christ, Father. And so, Father, for the next two weeks, just give me the ability to be able to impart to each person, Father, of how they can improve themselves, Father. That we're not looking at anybody else, but we're looking at our life, Father. We're looking at our relationship with you, Father. And Lord, I just ask that you just convey it, Father, as we just talk about three important points the next two weeks, Father, of how we can improve ourselves spiritually. Father, that's what we're speaking to, how we can improve ourselves in our spiritual walk, our relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said? You know, it's an amazing thing because... Everybody likes vision. And once we get a vision, we want to tend to set goals because, man, I got a vision. I need to set goals. What do I need to do now? But really, that's the wrong question. That when God downloads something in your heart, and I remember I first got saved and called in the ministry. God laid on my heart. He said, man, have a rock and roll church. Have a, a round church and rebuild the altars where they've, they've been torn down and build the altars where they haven't been before. And all those things, I've hang on that. But before any of that ever came to pass, the right question that we need to ask ourselves is, who do I need to become first? Who do I need to become first? Because the concept is, you reproduce not what your occupation is, but you reproduce who you are on the inside. And in the life of King David, you study his life, he was a giant killer. Everybody say giant killer. He became famous for killing the giant of Goliath. Even Christians and, and non-Christians alike know that, that that's what it was about. And, and I love David's story and, and sort of a different spin I've never shared before. But you begin to read about David's story and you begin to read about his mighty men. And it's interesting because I never noticed that, that, that David just wasn't a giant killer, but he reproduced five giant killers. Five giant killers. I want to read about four of them here in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 18. In this, there was another battle against the Philistines at Gob. And so they fought Sibachai from Hushah, killed Saph, another descendant of the giants. During another battle at Gob, Elhanan, son of Jer from Bethlehem, killed the brother of Goliath of Gath. The handle of his spear was thick as a weaver's beam. In another battle with the Philistines at Gath, they encountered a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in all, who was also a descendant of the giants. But when he defied and taunted Israel, he was killed by Jonathan, the son of David, brother Shimea. These four Philistines were descendants of the giants of Gath, but David and his warriors killed them. David and his warriors killed them. King Saul, who was before David, who was an incredible man of God, had some mistakes. He never killed a giant. And when you study King Saul's lineage, he never produced one giant killer. Why? Because he wasn't a giant killer himself. 
And so if you want to see change, because everybody says, Vic, what are we going to do about the world? How are we going to change the world? If you want to see change of the world around you, you want to see change in your family, your business, your communities, your neighborhoods, whatever it is, then you become, everybody say, I become. You become the change you want to see. You become the change you want to see. Because you reproduce who you are. So quit complaining about your life. Quit complaining about what you, what you don't have in life. Quit complaining that you've got to wait to get to whatever it is in your life. Because I believe that God is going to raise up some giant killers in the house today. Come on, say amen. Now remember this statement. Before I can have, I must do. And before I do, I must become. This is where God starts in our spiritual formation or foundation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, so they're born again, has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. A new life has begun for you if you've asked Jesus Christ in your heart. And it's interesting because when you study the Bible, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. And he spends the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians talking about who you are in Christ if you are born again. Everybody say identity. See, the problem is we judge people on what they do when we need to really just say, you know what, they're confused in their life. Come on, say amen. Because they don't know who they are in Christ. And somewhere we have to realize before anybody else understands who they are in Christ, we've got to understand who we are in Christ. Do you know that the Bible says that you are positionally seated in a heavenly place with Christ himself? Do you know that the Bible says you are his masterpiece? Because most people, it's hard to conceive that, man, I'm seated there with Christ. Because look who I was, look who I am. Or that I'm Christ's masterpiece because my life is a mess. I wouldn't even buy me if it was there. But if you're born again, that's who God says you are. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says, But God is so rich in his mercy, he loved us so much, that even though we are dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace, which was Caleb was talking about, that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, that's water baptism, and seated us with him in heavenly places, in heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 10, For we are, everybody say, I am. You can say this if you're born again, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things, the good things that he planned for us a long time ago. Paul deliberately wrote this whole first three sections of Ephesians to let you know who you are in Christ. Everybody say identity. And then he followed with the next three chapters, and I love this here, of the expected behavior of a born-again believer. How we're supposed to live. How we're supposed to act. How we're supposed to show the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So the next two weeks, I want to talk about how I can improve me. And then the following three weeks, we'll talk about the vision that God's given you and how to unpack that and how to make that vision become a reality of your life. But your vision will never become a reality until you work on you. Come on, say amen. What you believe can change the way that you behave. What you believe determines how you behave. 
Because if we know who we are in Christ Jesus, then it will affect what we do. We realize that we're an ambassador and there are certain situations that we can't go into. There are certain things that we can't do. Even though everything is permissible, not everything is beneficial, right? And so why we choose to believe what we believe is key because it's so important because then it affects everything else in our life. It affects every decision in our life. But the key is you've got to start with who you are. And if you want to make a change in culture, you want to make a change in society, then start changing yourself first. And you will then ultimately reproduce what is inside you. Well, I think they need to. You know what? Change you. I want my spouse. I want my kids. I want my friends to change. Then change you. Then you reproduce into them what is in you. There's an unknown monk, and on his, on his tombstone, he died in 1100 AD. This is what he said, and it's, it's very profound. When I was a young man, I wanted to change the world. I found it was difficult to change the world, so I tried to change my nation. When I found I couldn't change the nation, I began to focus on my town. I found I couldn't even change my town. As an older man, I tried to change my family, and I couldn't change them either. Now, as an older man, I realize I can only change myself. Suddenly, I realize that if, long ago, I had changed myself, I could have made an impact on my family. And my family and I could have made an impact on our town. And their impact could have changed the nation. And I, indeed, could have changed the world. Folks, why do we spend our life hitting our heads against a wall? Because let's be real. You only hurt yourself, amen? You're not going to hurt the wall, and especially if you don't have a stud finder on the front of your head and you hit a stud, that sheetrock's not giving. But you need to start with sharpening your axe. And this week and next week, I'm going to give you three practical steps on how you can improve you. You can add it in your growth plan if you want. You can achieve the new and improved you. You know, Pastor Brad said he's offering free counseling for all you Chiefs fans from last Thursday night. Um, <laughs> Dallas Cowboy fans, you'll be available on Tuesday. <laughs> but, uh, but football season is upon us. And football players have a vision to get to the end zone, don't they? And they have a plan to get to the end zone, that's step by step. And they have a plan to keep the, the enemy out of the end zone. But they just don't have a vision. They just don't have, I mean, we're going to win the Super Bowl. We're going to make it to the championship game. We're going to have these goals. But what they do, key is, what they do in the offseason makes the biggest difference in their life. What are they doing? In the off-season, they are practicing, they are growing their skills, they are working out, they're dieting. Why? To reach the vision of the goal of reaching the end zone. Because if they reach the end zone more times than they're, they're, the opposing team reaches the end zone, and they win more times, then they're going to have the opportunity to go to the playoffs. So lifting weights, doing drills, reading their playbooks... In other words, what they're doing when nobody else is watching affects how they perform on the field when everybody's watching. Did you catch that? What they're doing in the time when nobody else is watching 
determines the effects on the field of what's happening when everybody's watching. And your public life is simply the byproduct of your private life when nobody else is watching. When you're getting up and spending time with God in prayer and meditation and and reading the Bible and, and whatever that else, you know what? You're winning when nobody else is watching. And the world sees simply a result of what you've been doing in your private life. See, I don't get excited about watching the public persona of somebody, but what I want to learn is, well, who are they in private? What are they doing in private that's causing them to have this success publicly? And I want to give you three simple things that will change your life, three simple things that will improve you. Everybody say, improve me. Number one, what you read. Number two, watch your relationships. And number three, guard your time. Read, relationships, and time. Everybody say read, relationships, time. Reading, relationships, or time are the three greatest factors that you have at your disposal to contribute to your growth and development. The first thing is, what are you reading? What are you reading? Man, I meet people all the time. They're like, Pastor, you know, hey, will you mentor me? Will you, will you pour into me? Maybe you've had that. Will you... Help me grow. Will you counsel me? Will you give me advice in whatever it is? Da 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 da. And I'll be really honestly, I only need a couple minutes to access them. Because my first question is, what are you reading? What are you reading? What are you, what are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you listening to? See, a lot of people say, man, did you see this on Facebook? No, because really I I post on Facebook, but I don't really spend a lot of time scrolling on Facebook. My wife keeps me up to date, so if I don't know something, blame it on her because she's not keeping me up to date what I should be up to date on. But, but what am I reading? Currently, I'm reading this book, John C. Maxwell. It's the second time I've read it. Three things successful people do. Three things, and it's just taken on a journey, and, and it's incredible, and, and I read uh, out of this book about 10 minutes a day. Whatever I get through it, I, I read this. This is me personally. What do, what, how does it impact me? A book that I'm getting ready to read again for the second time uh, because I'm turning 61 uh, this month. And so two-thirds of my life is over. I understand that. Um, I read, last time I read it when I was 40, when half my life was over. Um, and so if you're, if you're getting ready to turn 40 or you're getting ready to turn what I call a third, you know, 30, 60, 90, uh, you need to read, it's called Halftime, Moving from Success to Significance by Bob Buford. This is to help me. What do I need to do really in the last 20 to 30 years of my life to help me? A couple books that I'm reading, and they're not all Christian. The, these first two guys are Christian, John Maxwell and Bob Buford. The next two books is, is uh, how, to lead, how to Lead for Daring New Leaders. So I'm just trying to say, what can I impart to new people who are God's raising up in the church, giant killers who are going to be leaders? How do I, how do I work with them? Um, the no-nonsense guide to develop basic leadership skills. Sometimes you've got to go back and sharpen your axe. Come on, say amen. I, just because I know this stuff doesn't mean I'm updated on this stuff. And then the last one 
is leading the leaders? How to enrich your style of management and handle people whose style is different from yours? And so those are the four books that I'm either currently reading or getting ready to read in my life. Why? Because I want to improve me. And it's an amazing thing. Because when you ask people, hey, what are you listening to? What are you reading? And oftentimes, what are you listening to? What are you reading? What do you... They give you a blank look. Because, see, why do I ask that? Because I know what you feed yourself is who you become. What you feed yourself is who you become. See, it always, and I've said this a lot of times, but it is always interesting to me that people will spend thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands of dollars on a wedding, for about an hour event, and yet they won't spend a penny or a minute on how do I make my marriage better. A wedding is an event for a moment, but marriage is a lifetime of work, amen? Because let me tell you, I've never had anybody come to me and say, Pastor, could you give me some wedding counsel? We're having issues. But I have a lot of people say, man, can you counsel us on our marriage? We're falling apart. Come on. I read a book a little bit ago called Leaders, You Are What You Eat. But you know what? You are what you eat. And it amazes me because naturally in our culture today, people spend hours reading labels to make sure everything is organic and no chemical pesticides and all this crazy stuff, which I get that. That's a good thing. But let me ask you a million-dollar question, parents and people. What are you reading to feed your, feed your soul and your spirit? What are you reading to feed your, your children's souls and your spirit? Is it a spiritual health food, or is it a bunch of toxic stuff that you're getting into? Is it true for your family, but is it also true for yourself? Are you doing spiritually what you are doing naturally for your body? Are you doing spiritually for your, your spiritual body what you're doing naturally for your physical body? Because most of us aren't. Come on, say amen. And I want to close down with this. It's important also to put more attention on your spiritual label than food labels. Because you are what you eat spiritually, which is eternal. What are you feeding yourself? What are you reading because readers are leaders, and leaders are readers. I love the fact that my eight-year-old granddaughter loves to read. She gets excited. She goes, I want to get to school early. And I said, why do you want to get to school so, so early? She goes, because it's library day, and, and I get to go get some books. But let me tell you, start small. Everybody say, start small. Man, start, they're going to put it up here, a minute with Maxwell. One minute a day. Every one of you can give a minute. Go on there, and he gives you just one minute of how to do life successfully. How to do life successfully. It's an interesting statistic because 95% of Americans will never pick up a book. More will never attend a seminar on personal finance, money management, or investing. 95% of Americans will never reach a point where they can retire because they don't have enough money. And is it possible the same 95% of Americans have never read a book or the same 95% that can't retire? 
And if you don't have money, I'm just going to tell you a practical sense of wisdom. Get a Dave Ramsey book. And read about money. Read about financial peace. And read it. We had a young man, Dalton, who got up here and shared it 21 days of prayer. What happened is he read a Dave Ramsey book last year in 2022, late last year, probably about September, October, November. Him and his wife, young, little new baby, were in major debt. He read a book, not just read a book, then he put the principles into practice. And I'm not sharing anything, it wasn't publicly recorded and showed out, but, but he shared it right up here. And he shared what that happened. And I asked him, I said, how much, this was February, when he enacted the principles. And so this was August when he was sharing his story. And he, I, said, I said, how much debt did you, and, and now he's debt free. I said, how much debt did you and your wife have when you started in February? And from February to July, what happened? He said, we're debt free and we had over $60,000 in debt. Come on, give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Study the book of instruction continually, which is this book. Meditate on it day and night, which is this book. And you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then, only then, everybody say only then. Only then you will prosper and succeed in all you do. Did God tell Joshua, this book of the law shall depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. Observe all that it it commands you and do all that it's written in it to do. And then it says, then there's enough government programs to make your way successful. No, God says, Joshua, get in the book. Put the book in you. Read it. Speak it. And do it. And then, God will make your way successful. Let's pray. Father, I see giant killers in the house. Father, this is one of those messages where we're going to be challenged to grow. One of those meat messages. Not a milk message. But Father, to become a giant killer, we have to look at the life of David. David, when nobody was watching, he was worshiping. When nobody was watching, David was in the fields taking care and tending the sheep. And then when it came that moment that you wanted to use him, when he killed that lion and the bear, nobody was watching. But he won. The Father, what's greater about David's life, after David worked on David, then he reproduced giant killers. And Holy Spirit, we just ask, let us work on ourselves. Let us not look at anybody. Let us not point. Let us not elbow. Let us work on ourselves. And then we'll reproduce the change that we want to be. So, Father, I speak reproduction in the house of giant killers. But, Lord, it all starts with Jesus. There may be somebody here right now that's never asked Jesus into their heart. 
There may be somebody here that was like David's mighty men. They were distressed. They were discouraged. They were in debt. They were depressed. But they went into a cave. And they got around some people that brought them out of being that depressed and discouraged and in debt. And they became giant killers. But first they had to surrender their hearts. And Father, right now, if there's one that needs to resurrender their heart, let them resurrender. And, and if that's you for the first time, or maybe you just need to resurrender, just say, Dear Father, I ask you to come into my heart. Jesus, I believe that you are the only way to heaven. And your precious sacrifice allows me to be forgiven of my sins. So I confess my sins to you right now, Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me. And after you forgive me, I ask you to come and, and come into my heart. Send the Holy Spirit to convict me of how I can work on me. Because today, Holy Spirit, I see that I have the potential to be a giant killer. I have the potential to be a giant killer. But I've got to work on me. And the first thing I've got to work on is my spiritual condition. And I'm ready to give my heart and my life to you. In Jesus' name.